Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Why, hello there. Hi. Welcome. Nick. Yeah? JoJo's World. <gasps> I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Valentine, the other one of the co-hosts. We've got a lot to get through today, oh, and a lot of uh, questions and very few answers. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of time spent with an egg, and a lot of time spent wondering, is this, is this a literal interpretation of an egg? This is the JoJo's World World Tour, where we watch and discuss Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant while we wait for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6 Stone Ocean. Uh, Cowboy Bebop's coming to Netflix, that's news, great, <laughs> moving on. Well, I mean, it'll be fine if it comes to Netflix, but I won't watch it. Okay. Yeah, take that. Take that, hopeful youths. I have no investment in this. We might do it for the podcast one day, though. Will we? Should I be Given down for an it? Infinite, infinite amount of time and a finite amount of anime, sure. <laughs> no new anime will ever be produced. I read a factoid recently, which, mm. as we know, um, in... Uh, in terms of its literal definition, is something that has the uh, appearance of a fact, but is not itself a fact. Is that what a factoid Apparently, actually is? I, re- I heard oh. that on like a Taskmaster or something now, somewhere. New QI. question. Is that a factoid? Don't know. And this factoid, because it has the appearance of fact, but is not, if you run the numbers, actually true, though it, uh, the trend is it, it's close enough. Mm-hmm. The factoid is that... Half of all anime produced has been produced in the last 10 years. Ooh. And that's not necessarily true. Uh-huh. It depends on how you slice it, I think. Yeah. Uh, but uh, certainly production has skyrocketed. <laughs> in the last 10 years. Yeah, and uh, that's why you see so many, like, the trend this season is isekais. So we're all going to make an isekai show and see what sticks. Yeah. Okay, Well, the trend this season is idols, so we're all going to make horse idol and zombie idol and whatever and see what sticks. So, like, is that why there were so many I got reincarnated as a slime? Yeah, anime? most likely. Interesting. Interesting. But it's not true that there was more produced in the last 10 years than ever. I don't think it's true, but I think it's approaching true. Mm, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no new anime artists out there, they're just what? making... Well, like... If the population hasn't been increasing at a rate of, like... Oh, certainly the uh, production staff are overworked and underpaid. Mm, Indeed, indeed. Nick. Yes. Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant. What about it? Episode 26, question mark? Yes. Yes, 26. uh, Mickey's Nest Box, Mm -hmm. the Sunken Garden Arrange. Sunlit Garden. The Sunken Garden was a location at the university we went to. Ah. Wait. That we went. Yeah. Really? Was yep. it? Yeah. Where was it? Um, it was near... Uh, the museum? Museum? Yeah, we had a museum. We had an art gallery. We also had that, yes. That's right, we went to a bougie <laughs> university, everyone. <laughs> oh, yes. We were dressed near the garden. The sunken the garden does sound like a place you'd go to in Revolutionary Girl Utena. It does. It's like you have the sunlit garden, which is where Utena and Anthony hang out. And then you have the sunken garden. Which, which is where you the... have a boss fight. Yeah. Or where the Rose Groom lies. Oh, yeah, yeah. so you, what, what you want to do yeah, is you want to run past the Titanite Demon, then you'll enter mm. the Sunken Garden, and mm. if you if you uh, dodge all the plant monsters there, you can fight the Hydra boss early. Ah, the Bed of Chaos. No, the Hydra. Yep. Mickey's Nest Box, the Sunlit Garden arranged. Give me that IMDB. Mickey, uh-huh. despite his friendship with Utena and Anthe, is once again pushed to duel. This time, his sister is the one doing the pushing. As we predicted last time, essentially. Yeah. Not a hard guess when you know just, like, their basic character dynamics. 
that they will probably fight and it will probably be someone close to them. We know they will fight and also we know that Kozue is the more more, uh, ambitious Ambitious. of the two siblings and we we knew she was present for the fight. Hmm. So all in all... All in all... Predictable drama yet again. And here's Ikahara's episode commentary. The person who has provided this to the Reddit thread notes that their source for digital copy uh, ran out, so they've transcribed it themselves. Excuse any typos. I will do no such thing, but okay. I read in a book once that wild animals have a mother and child ritual of bite parting. Once the child has stopped breastfeeding, the mother suddenly bites, attacks, and chases the child out of her territory. Apparently they do this instinctively to avoid inbreeding. What? Now let's try taking end of the world as a metaphor for real society. Though now this seems like one of those demonstrational programs on TV. But we... Hang on. Yep. So is is the assumption when you're reading these production notes that you're reading this episode to episode, right? Sure. Why not? But we don't know what end of the world is yet. Yes, but we might later. So let's use it as a metaphor. What? what? Anyway, go on. Well, go on. I think he's talking about like how in this episode even, uh, we know, and the previous one, we know that Akio's getting people in his dream car. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, what does he say? Things like, uh, allow me to show you the way to the end of the world. And then takes them somewhere off screen slash possibly metaphorical and then they come back next day wanting to duel Lieutenant. Somewhere deeply sexual in a car. Now let's try taking end of the world as a metaphor for real society. Okay. Though now this seems like one of those demonstrational programs on TV. Mm, it does. A certain girl says she's got a new brand name handbag out of a one night stand with end of the world. <gasps> Here's what she says. And this is a quote from the episode. Mm -hmm. When everyone around you is impure, you'll have to become impure as well. The only way to get what you want is to lose your purity. Why don't they bite each other, right? (laughs) Why do they remain there? (laughs) Yes? Why don't they bite each other, right? (laughs) Like what? Oh, hello there. How are you? Could that place that will never lose its purity hold their own personal eternity? Ooh. Which I guess is like childhood memories <laughs> and or like, something. And purity of... of Spirit. Yeah. And then just, there's a, just a comment there. Ikahara, are you okay? <laughs> now, while I was... Um, while Nick was out getting a coffee this morning, uh, I also... It's a hot chocolate, thank you. Sure. Never uh, replace my hot chocolate with a coffee like some kind of average swine... I did a bit of reading and I got some facts to share. Uh, This is a comment from someone who's a bit of a car buff who has been watching Utena for the first time. Oh, okay. Wait, do they know what that car is? Ooh. Being a big car buff, I could identify the make and model immediately. (laughs) It is a first generation Chevrolet Corvette, probably in the 60 to 62 year range. It's slightly modified and lacking the badges for obvious copyright reasons, Mm. but the car is unmistakably a classic vet. A classic vet. The Corvette started production in 1953 and it was America's answer to the small two-seater sports cars that were being imported by soldiers after they had served overseas during World War II. Okay. It was also one of the first vehicles in America to be produced using a plastic fiberglass composite mm. and are still made that way today. Mm. That does seem quite revolutionary for the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a revolutionary car utana. <laughs> You have no choice but to revolutionise the automobile industry. You have no choice but for Ford to employ you. Chevrolet. Yeah, but Ford would just steal them and be ah, like, you're employed by me now. 
Go buy my car. Uh, just like Operation and Paperclip in the uh, aftermath of World exactly. War II. When exactly. NASA, when NASA, NASA. Hey, NASA. Na- hey. When, when Nazi na- employed all those Nazi scientists. Are you, are you trying to say Nazis but failing to say NASA? Well, I was trying to say NASA, but then the fact that I was about to say Nazi <laughs> broke my brain. <laughs> Look, NASA and Nazis, they're very when easy to na- confuse. NASA employed all those Nazi scientists ah, for rocket technology. Of course, in the, uh, in, the, in the underground ways of NASA. The appearance of this car in Utana may not have any significance besides showing that Akio has power, influence, and money. But I'm very curious to see if anyone can find more correlations between him driving that particular car and the narrative of the series. Will we find such a thing? Tune in to find out. At the end of the series, it's just us going, but what did the car mean? I mean, that's how we came into the series, right? That's true. And we got that fight today. Hooray. So everything beyond this point is unknown. Because A, Mm. we have seen today the fight that made us watch the show, and B, the egg scene that had us so intrigued for an upcoming Nanami episode. (laughs) And now, from henceforth, we got fucking no Jim idea. Henceforth. Jim the, Henceforth. The uh, most uh, visionary puppet creator of his generation. He didn't even know what he was doing at the time, and fuck if he knows what he's doing next. Yeah. Now, Liam, have you talked about the intro yet? Because every week for the last, like, month, you've been telling me, remind me to talk about Yeah, we about talked about that last time. Good. I remember. I was also, while you were out, um... Meandering. I, I skimmed cold. again the Utena Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. which reminded me of the fact that the colour red in this show symbolises ambition. Ambition. And obviously the red car uh, ignite, reigniting uh, hesitant duelists' ambition is mm. like the, the most salient symbol in, in this arc so far. In Utena history. But it also made me think about how... Kiryu, whose key colour is red, Toga Kiryu, mm. uh, and was defined by his ambition in the first arc, is being weirdly um, subservient to Akio this arc, basically being his uh, his in with the student council to get more duelists on board. But see, I would surely think, right, that he still has his own motivations and his own goals, and they're just aligned in that. Look, I certainly hope so, because as much as we hate him, we do love him. I mean, and I want does. him. I want him to be a schemer. <laughs> he does have a lot of scenes where there's no shirt. He has been humbled by humbled, scarred, broken, sulking, and now he's come back like a fucking phoenix. A lot of big talk from him in recent episodes, despite the fact that he spent 13 episodes in a wheelchair staring out a window, <laughs> despite not actually being injured. He was just sitting there going, but what am I? And then he's come back being like, I know what the fuck yeah, I Yeah, I know am. what the fuck I'm about. I'm about cruising, top down, shirt off, night time. <laughs> hey, Akio, guess what? I'm the school guy now. And he's like, I know, you go to my school. Like, yeah, I'm the school guy. So it's Akio and it's Kiryu in the sort of dream space car highway mm-hmm. and on the stereo is playing mickey's piano piece the uh sunlit garden Ooh, and they're arranged. talking mm, yes mm. what a convenient arrangement <laughs> Ooh, that's the name of the episode. and akio has decided that utena needs to be defeated and the rose bride re-engaged to someone else yes uh and kiri's like harper and he, in his words i thought she was the golden goose but see the value of the golden goose says akio 
is in the eggs that it lays. The golden eggs. Ah, the golden eggs. Not 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 to be confused with the eggs an ordinary human woman would lay. Of course, normal girls will lay eggs. So. Um, for those who haven't watched, the second episode we're discussing today is a comedy episode where Nanami believes she's laid an egg. And let me tell you, it's... An episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, so that's probably going to infect our brains for the duration of this podcast. <laughs> so I think that's Archeo being like, oh no, Utena is teaching Anthony how to be a human. Got to get them away from each other. Oh no, she's Paul Atreides. Like, because you remember at the end of last episode how he was like, hey, Anthony, come and have creepy sex with me. And she, mm-hmm. was, she was hesitant and he did not like that. I don't think hesitant is the right word so much as resistive. Yes. Crucial. And, uh, and, um, this was something else that was pointed out to me when I was Reddit threads as well. Mm-hmm. In the previous, uh, much less blatant cutaways of what of their their liaisons in that room, yeah. we've had shots of Anthe um, either neatly placing her glasses on the table or of them neatly placed there. Yes, but this t- that time that they were just strewn along the floor as we discussed before, uh, as if carelessly far taken less away. far less. Uh, Actively and... participating. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Something tells me that Akio's a bad, a guy. bad egg. Yeah, uh, which we must crack uh, to achieve revolution. <laughs> we have to smash his egg with a baseball bat. Ah, the very oh. same sort of baseball that Utena likes to play. Yeah, kill him with the smack to the head. It's daytime, and all the students are like, "Oh, oh, look! It's the sun." <laughs> <laughs> No. How do we move forward from this revelation? <laughs> oh, look, the sun. Yay, school time. Yay, Yay. it's nourishment week. No, um, <laughs> what is nourishment week? Hug the sun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. check out Hug the Sun, uh, as produced by Auntie Dana and starring uh, Ben Russell and Xavier Michaelides on Grouse House and YouTube. Mm. Filmed here. Partially. Kind of. Partially in Maylands, Perth. Partially in Stupid Old Studios, Melbourne. Boo! Fuck that noise, man. Come back to Maylands! Anyway, so Mickey's sister, Kozue, uh-huh. yep. is on the, the outside of a second story window, clutching, like, tented, uh, what's the word? Precariously. Yes. Hanging onto the side, clutching a baby bird nest <gasps> to her self. But why is she clutching a nest? Oh my gosh. And everyone's like, no, forget about it. Just use both your hands to get back up here. And she refuses. She doesn't say no, no. but she implies She doesn't say it. anything. She, she words it with her eyes. And, and her, her actions. And her mouth. Actions speak louder than words, and her actions are saying, I'm going to save these baby birds. So fuck off. And then she sees Mickey down below and immediately falls off the ledge. Literally, she's like, oh no, Mickey. But not with her, <laughs> not with her words, but with her eyes and her actions. She actually does say Mickey with her mouth. But she doesn't say, but she I'll says come it, towards you. She says it louder by falling off a roof. Exactly. And by falling off this second, the second of two stories in what we have said many, many times is a very large scale school. Like, to a point that is truly absurd. Yep. Uh, she falls off that and merely sprains her ankle. Oh, well that's lucky. Yeah. Normally when someone falls off a second story window, like in Batman Begins... Even an ordinary human-sized second story. They'd break their leg. Thus was the ploy that Batman used against that random mobster. If dropped head first. Ah, true that. As was the ploy that Batman used against that crooked cop. Ah, I see. (laughs) And surely if he were to use that against a much larger villain, say a man who has been mutated by the drug Venom, they'd be perfectly fine. Their, Their face would remain unscathed. 
they're one face. Hang on, you, you, you're mashing too many things together. Then. Oh, yes, I am, Liam. I'm very tired. Famously, Harvey Dent, can we trust him, is one face. But surely if he has one face, he could be trusted. But as we discussed during our watch today, mm. Anthe has one face. Yes, correct. But then she also seems to have a second face that she reserves only for Archeo, mm. making her possibly a sort of two-face. I don't... Now, hang on a minute. Let's not go too far down this rabbit hole. Let's not hole. go too face down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Look, there's only there's only so many faces that Anthe can have, and I want to say it's the one that she reserves for Utena. Do identical twins have two faces? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Man, moving on. So, Mickey is carrying Kozuei home, piggyback style, and <laughs> Utena and Anthea come along to carry their book bags. <laughs> Why would an identical twin have... Anyway, yes. So, she's being carried. And they're all talking about her like she's not there. I wonder why she did it in the first place. And she's all like, oh, I did it because of this. And no, Mickey's like, don't lean so Crucially, hard. she's not like that. Oh. Mickey is saying that for her like ah, she's not there. Of course. It happened when she heard they were cutting down the tree after school today. She jumped out the window to save the baby birds. Photos of her. Jumping the two. from the window. So nest full of baby birds. And there's a nest with two ugly baby birds in it. It's full. It's full enough. They're fat birds. That's they the thing the about Kazue. Every once in a while, she acts weird. Uh... And yeah, as you said before, Mickey is like, don't lean so close. It's really hot out here. But that's how it's comfortable for me. Don't lean so close to me. You shouldn't have been so reckless. We were so worried about you. Oh, were you worried about me, big brother? I don't believe it. And they're at home. And... Anthe gives Mickey a very serious and very forthright tutorial on how to care for baby birds. I think she's just like, we have to feed it millet seed or something yeah. like that. And he's like, wow, you know a lot about caring for these birds. Have you ever cared for birds before? No, I have not. <laughs> Anthe Himamea, that's me. Listen to my proud, strideful tone. Meanwhile, Choo Choo is floating around like a balloon, as he does. That's where he is? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah. Kozuei uh, stands up at this point And I thought they were going to do a thing Like wait you can walk this whole time But no she just sort of leans against the uh, the, the sideboard the, And talks the, about some correspondence they received The dresser with no, the letter It's not a dresser It's kind of a dresser it's a, isn't it? it's a It's an entry room table A side table It's a sideboard What is a sideboard? It's when you sort of augment a human with robotic uh, <laughs> Oh, okay. Parts. I thought it was uh, it was the collection of cars that you reserve mid like between different rounds of Magic: The Gathering to oh, say I can't I can't come with you on this journey. <laughs> <laughs> Just down the rabbit hole we must go, Liam. I don't know anything about magic. I know you tap land, but that's it. Let me tell. Let me give you three words: tap, land, mana. Those are the three things you got to know about Magic: The Gathering. Because that's the extent of all the jokes you can make. Everything else is deadly serious. It's like, oh, we've got plane walkers or whatever they're fucking called. we got dudes who have, like, bulls that fight for them. But you know what you can do? You can be like, tap. <laughs> yeah, tap that land. Yeah, get mana. Yeah, yeah. Every turn. That's it. That's the entirety of this joke. That's not a very good joke. It's not a very good game. Boom! Of course, we are famously uh, haters of Wizards of the Coast on <laughs> JoJo's World. I... Hang on, just wait. Leave the room quickly. 
Hi, Chris Perkins. It's me, Nick. Who's Chris Perkins? I said to leave the roof. Hey, I, I, I really like Wizards of the Coast. Magic the Gathering is pretty good. D&D, I, well, hit and miss. But Wizards, I mean, Magic the Gathering, really good. So Chris Perkins, if you want to send me some uh, some of those cards, that you know, I could promote I'm gonna the I'm going to need card. you to project a I little more. I told you to leave the room. Sorry, sorry. That, was, that wasn't... That, that's not the character of Liam, the JoJo's World <laughs> podcast host. That was the character of Liam, the JoJo's World producer, who oh. always sits in the corner with cans on. And he's just like, sits up going, uh, excuse me, project please. Yes. And then Liam, the not producer, is like, so sorry, so sorry. Let me just <clears throat> enunciate. Oh yes, I, I cut a lot of talking to myself out of the podcast. <laughs> uh, they've received correspondence from their father. <gasps> their father? Oh, sorry, from their mother. <gasps> their mother? Yeah, that seems contradictory because we learn later that he calls up his father. And so it seems their parents are getting a divorce mm. and the dad is already remarrying. Well, I mean, they're all nobility, right? We we tend to think that they're all nobles. <laughs> so there was this one bit of dialogue, though. A letter. It's from our mother. Then Utena says, boy, I'm jealous. A letter from your mum. I don't have parents, so I envy things like that. And no one remarks on what a, what a depressing thing that was to say. <laughs> Not even Anthony's like, I'm so sorry to hear that. Or, yes, I'm sure it must be painful for you. It's just, wow, I really envy that kind of thing. The most, like, robots pretending to be humans conversation. Because Kozue's response is, we don't need parents. We're wild animals after all. This entire episode is like, we're making a cool metaphor. Because like, you see, what? our parents had a sort of bite instinct to drive us away ah, when we were done breastfeeding. Of course. Mm. That's why he plays piano. Mickey is more sympathetic. Like, father and mother worry about us, so. And she's like, I don't give a fuck. You think I care about my parents? Drops Bye. the letter in the trash. So then Anthe and Utena are leaving. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I wonder if this is the sunlit garden he wrote a song about. I guess... Their ancestral home is... I always thought that all the township around here was, like, associated with the academy. But it turns out it's just all the palaces and mansions that Kiryu family and Mickey family have are just right next to Atori Academy. I mean, it makes sense, right? You don't live at school. I thought it was like a, um... Like, not a one-to-one thing, but similar to how, like, uh... Universities will have like the college town around the university yeah, that isn't yeah. used for much besides the like, uni supporting students. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, this is just no, no. This is where they live their whole lives. Yeah, this is where the whole society is, other than India, where you go to get nine billion fold spice curry. Ah, of course, that's the one <laughs> special place that is well defined in yeah. all of Utena. <laughs> So they're talking about like, oh, do you, reckon, and youth. do you reckon they made their music here? Look, that must be where they sat when they were children. It's all gone to decay. Ah. <laughs> right? I mean, that is basically what they sound like. And then it's Akio and Anthe having a sinister conversation at sunset. <gasps> what do you think of Miss Utena? I, I... Oh, pulls her in. Make love to me. The teacup broke. And then Utena comes in and is like, hey guys, what's up? It's, oh, what are you doing down there? This Anthony? has this has strong, like, Anthe is clearly resistive vibes. Yeah. Then followed by, but the teacup grope. I'm like, you think I care about a teacup, my dearest Anthe? But then when Utena comes in, she's demurely picking up the teacup pieces and not making eye contact. And Akio's like, oh, oh, oh you're oh. not interrupting. You see, you're practically part of the family now. Part of the family now. Part of the family. Wow, I never had parents. Wow, I really well, envy I mean, crucially, like she did have parents. Uh, she doesn't anymore. Jesus, Liam. 
And then once again, they lie down past each other in their big hand-holdy bed. And I think this is going to be a pattern of them doing that lie down and then having a philosophical conversation. Do you think the tigers are real? I don't know. Maybe they are. Not anymore. You see, climate change, overhunting, and various other factors have decimated the tiger population. My parents were decimated. Yes, by (laughs) destiny. I just want something eternal that can't be decimated. Well, I can't provide that, Utena holds out hand, but I can provide comfort. Yes. Let's stare deeply into each other's eyes until there's a long shot and then we can't be hand-holding anymore because they never drew that. And then you just hear, dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> yeah. Walking up the stairs or <laughs> taking the lift now, as it were. Anyway, what are they actually talking about? Practically family, huh? Yeah, he didn't ask your opinion on that, did he? No, it's okay. I like it. I don't have any family. And then they hold hands. Yep. Akio seems so nice. Yes. Maybe because he's an adult. Hmm. Anthe is not saying a single fucking word now. Anthe says he's more like my father. And she's like, a father? Huh. Do you think fathers and mothers always care about their children? Like Mickey said. And Anthe says, that's probably due to genetics. Harsh. Brutal. Wrecked. And then it's the student council meeting. Great student council meeting. So they're sitting not at a desk or a table in this one. I've got some questions about the current status of the student council. Okay. The politics of the student council. So we've got our two core members right now Mm -hmm. we've got mickey and jury they're always there yep nanami is also always there but she's not technically a member of the student council Mm -hmm. she just came in last season because kiryu was absent but now that he's back she's still around yes sayonji back at school i don't think he's back on the council oh god no (laughs) wait wait but but hang on nanami's back yep but isn't she now part of the student council? Why? Because Kiryu's been gone so long. But he's back of... now. But he's not on the student council in these meetings. Well, he, that's what I was going to say. He's absent today, but he has given them a letter that they discuss. And that letter is basically, mm. hey, defeat Utena. Hmm, true, true. And also, he is like Akio's PA now. PA vis-a-vis trippy car dream sequences. Yeah, he just... Gets their shirt off. Yeah, he exists to have a conversation, take his shirt off and summon a car. Yeah. So he's kind of like the messenger boy. Yeah. To then go, yeah, let's get you in on this action. Mm -hmm. Hmm. My own scheme failed, but maybe if I work with Mr. Akio, perhaps I can find a way to derail his scheme. That's the best case scenario for Kiryu's ambition right now. Mm. Mm. So I reckon both Kiryu and Nanami are on the student council. Sayonji isn't. Yep. Mickey and Juri still are. Yep. Anyone I'm missing? No. Good. <laughs> That's basically all the characters in this show, <laughs> other than like the radial people like Suwabuki and Wakaba. Yeah, and they're... <laughs> Who needs that? I will say Black Rose Arc did a really good job of just like fleshing out the web of characters in the show. Mm. Yeah, I do enjoy that it's they... It's just like just a whole arc them. focused around the, the B-grade characters, just giving them their own like... Stories and motivations yeah. and like... What, what's the what's the what resonance of things like emotional resonance yeah yeah sure yeah you know what i mean i hope so we've got another letter from end of the world <gasps> he wouldn't dare and so oh yes crucially as you, you were gonna say before i cut you off the uh little student council sketch this episode mm. that there's all these chairs just scattered around and they're not sitting at their usual table they're all just scattered around amongst the chairs on shots of jury We also see in the far distance of the doorway that leads out onto this balcony an empty chair, which I think symbolises Kiryu's absence. 
Uh, and then when we ever get a shot of Nanami, she's in a big massage chair and her voice is like, uh, uh, yeah, because she's getting big back massage. And yeah. then at the end of the sketch, Jury's like, hey, Nanami, when do I get a go? And she's like, no, like Frankenstein. Expound on that. <laughs> well, like, doesn't Frankenstein talk with like a kind of vibe? <laughs> like his voice is like, uh, 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 uh. am I thinking of a different character? I don't know what you're thinking of. I was just thinking he's all like, uh, uh, uh. are you thinking of a ghost? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit. Maybe I'm thinking of Casper, the friendly ghost. who's like, oh, I want to massage your lungs. And then he like hugs them. And then you're like, oh, this is friendly. And then he goes through you because he's a ghost. Yeah, he can never know the tra- the, the the affectionate touch of another. <laughs> he's perpetually... He's an incel. <laughs> he's in his perpetual state of torment, which he could get out of if he just possessed someone. Mickey and Jury are suspicious of, t- of Toga mm-hmm. because adults who tell you that something is for your own good can never be trusted. And I think Mickey is carrying some of the divorce baggage here. Also, I'm pretty sure that's some great uh, life advice. Because if there's one thing that I don't enjoy, it's being told, but it's for your own good. And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) fuck you. Mickey pulls a real Sionji here. Uh, If dueling means letting some selfish adult use me, then I won't do it. Jury is less uh, sure. Mm. She's so mature. End of the world's true identity remains a mystery. Exactly. (laughs) And then we get our first first literary reference of the episode. Ooh. Uh, end of the world may be a nice daddy long legs for all we know. And there was a lot of discussion, and that comes up a couple of times later in the episode, a lot of discussion about that on the Reddit. And uh, the conclusion is that it's likely a reference to the 1912 American novel Daddy Long Legs by Jean Webster. What the fuck? Okay, sure. Which tells the story of the protagonist, Jerusha Judy Abbott. Mm-hmm. And she leaves an orphanage and is sent to college by a benefactor whom she has never seen that is referred to as the Daddy Longlegs. Okay, right. Because he's pulling her in the, with yeah, his, the unseen his legs. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> the unseen end of the world might be a... A, a uh, metaphorical representation of the Mr. Daddy Longlegs? I mean, that's not what I was going to say, but... What were you going to say? I was going to say might be an altruistic, unseen benefactor like the Daddy Longlegs in this... Stu- mm. in this which I suppose is a different way of... Yeah. Or he could be a potential uh, sister uh, abuser. <laughs> Judy catches a glimpse of the shadow of her benefactor from the back and knows he is a tall, long-legged man. Ah. Because of this, she jokingly calls him Daddy Longlegs. She had... <laughs> oh, no, this has gotten real bad. <laughs> Oh yeah, Daddy Longlegs. Which is Ugh. like, that's a kind of arachnid, isn't it? Yeah, it's a spider. It's not technically a spider, I believe. But it's kind of a spider. It's, it's spider adjacent. For all intents and purposes of looking at it, you would say, oh shit, that's a spider with very long legs and a tiny wee little body. The last paragraph of this book's description has what I would consider... Strong Utena vibes? No, a oh. low-key burn. <laughs> So she attends a. Okay. It talks talks previously about how she attends a girls' college because of his uh, his generosity. Yep. Okay. During her stay, she befriends Sally McBride, the most entertaining person in the world. Why? Hang on. And what? Why do I recognise the name Sally McBride? I don't know. Okay, keep going. Uh, the most entertaining person in the world, and Julia Rutledge Pendleton, the least so, <laughs> and saps with them and Lenora Fenton. Wait, is that the end of the book? That's the end of the uh, synopsis. Weird, okay. She sups with them. 
It's got a sequel called Dear Enemy. Is it like... Um, Which uh, is presented as a series of letters written by Sally McBride. Uh, so it's like 13 Reasons Why. It's like, oh, I wrote down these things. And you're like, mm, this isn't very good. I haven't watched that show. Neither have I. Okay. <laughs> Less said about it, the better. Why are you looking up... Oh, God, you're looking up spiders. Oh, my God, you're looking up the Daddy Long Legs. Yep. The marbled cellar spider. The the gyrating spider. I guess it is a spider. I guess I was misinformed unless there's an Australian variant that is different. I thought it was always a spider. It's like, for people who I don't... I guess that was a factoid. <laughs> for people who don't know what a Daddy Long Legs is... You know those cobwebs that are sitting up Looking at this map of where they are found, I'm pretty sure everyone out there does know. Anyone from Canada... Anyone from Canada down, globally. (laughs) Yeah. So anyone who's in, like, Greenland right now listening to us, a daddy long legs is like a spider. And I know that may seem unusual to you, but just stick with us here. There is a legend that daddy long legs spiders have the most potent venom of any spider, but their fangs are either too small or too weak to puncture human skin. Isn't that right? The same legend is also repeated the harvestman, which is what I was thinking of. Ah. And crane flight, also known as daddy long legs in some regions. Mm. Ah. There we go. The the legend, is it just myth or is it real? (laughs) The legend may result from the fact that daddy long legs spider preys upon deadly venomous spiders, such as the redback a member of the Black Widow genus, Latrodectus, a classic Perth spider. Uh-huh, yep. To the extent that such entomological information was known to the general public, it was perhaps thought that if the daddy long leg spider could kill a spider capable of delivering fatal bites to humans, then it must be more venomous. Mmm, that's what I thought. <laughs> Only a stronger venom can defeat my venom. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a massive fight between daddy long legs and this tiny spider who's like, but my venom is the strongest. Yeah, the redback is the real um, shonen protagonist of the spider universe. I don't want to say he's the shonen protagonist as much as he is Cell. And anytime you think you've beaten the redback, he just comes back and he's like, you thought you could beat me, mate. Famously what Cell sounds like. <laughs> oh, I can regenerate from a single Cell, I can. The tree has been cut down. <gasps> and Mickey stares mournfully at it while speaking to father on the mm. phone. yes. It was in Mother's letter. Letter. No, we aren't against it, but we won't be able to make it to the wedding, but we'll send a telegram. And we see unseen Mickey's father, who um, looks quite nondescript. We only see the back of his head. Yeah, he has like He's an old-timey red, red and gold telephone. But he's standing with someone, presumed to be the new mother, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. who just... She's partially, she's partially veiled by a, uh, a curtain, but... If she's not Anthe... <laughs> no, that's a wedding veil. Whatever. It's all about the Rose Bride. It's also, like, not really quite there. No, it, but it looks just like the dress that Anthe wears. Yep, similar skin tone and, from what we can see, similar hair. Purple. We can only see the very faintest shock of it as it creeps down the back of her neck, but that's that's a Rose Bride if ever I've seen one. Mm, and what a Rose Bride it is. And then hang up, it should be rude for me to start calling myself his mother so soon. If we were listening to a dub, we would perhaps have a better idea of whether or not that was the same voice actor as Anthony or Mm. not. But that could possibly be another example of how time and reality is in flux here right now. What does it mean? Mickey is emotional. So you know what that means? Piano! In the music room at night. Yeah! Kosaway. Also emotional, which means that she is outside the music room staring at the moon. Now, when you saw this, you went, symbolism. Symbolism. (laughs) Symbolism. Different worlds, different approaches to reality. 
And then, like, a real meeting of the minds as Nanami and Kazue, the two, like, psycho girls of this show, <laughs> have a conversation. Huh, I heard you were hurt, says Nanami. Wild animals heal quickly. Yes, but only student council members are allowed out after dark. I'm waiting for someone. I'm waiting for my daddy long legs. It's clearly Akio. <laughs> Interesting, okay. And she walks off to go on a date with him. Ah... Going on a date with Archie. Which is part one of his scheme this episode. Part two commences immediately after the ad break as Kiryu enters Mickey's mournful room. He enters it in the sense that we realise he's been sitting in the distance on a chair in the darkness for a long time. What if he just assumed he would show me like, okay, hang on, let me just This is where my chair for the student council meeting was. Oh, I (laughs) see. I couldn't hear it, so I didn't know if they'd finished or not, even though you were on it and you're you're right here. Imagine if they had better lighting in this school. (laughs) Just even walking into this room, he would have to turn on the lights, surely. And he keeps doing this thing (laughs) where he puts down this little, like, you know those wind-up toys where you turn the... uh, Turn the crank. Yep, and then it walks forward until it runs out of crank. Yeah, so this is like a little, little chick. wind-up chick. A chick which famously must... Uh, Break free from the egg. Yeah, or else it will die. Oh, but ironically enough, it has a bit of trouble. This chick lacks direction. It keeps... <laughs> I just thought to myself, this chick lacks direction. And so Kiryu berates the chick and says, No! Know what you want. Know what you want to do. That's essentially what this scene is in metaphor. Oh. The chick lacks direction. It keeps walking into things and reaching an impasse. Mm, Mickey, wall, who has reached an impasse with his desire to uh, be with Anthe because she is the Rose Bride, must be re-inspired to go get her. Mm, and so this is told through metaphor by taking the wind-up chick and pointing it in a different direction so it's not walking into yeah. a piano stool. And then he's sitting on the piano stool with, with him and be like, ah, such a beautiful note. But beauty cannot sustain itself. Why is Kiryu sitting so close to Mickey? Like, just straight up on the same stool. That's, you know, that's Kiryu's, that's how Kiryu do, you know? He, he undresses, he yeah, gets to be close to He's people. wearing a shirt for now. For now? Yeah, crucially. <laughs> Ah, we've hit the wall already, as the chick has hit the wall. The far wall. There's someone I want you to meet, boy. Let me take off my shirt and be engulfed in bright bright white light. Do you hear the sound of the engine that leads to the end of the world? I don't. Oh, wait, yes, I do. And voila. Car there. enters, but a Corvette. Red. Mm. It's kind of... Follow us to the world you seek. And then there is... And then he doesn't actually get in the car this time. Kiryu's not present for the subsequent scene. Follow us. Bye. <laughs> in the car is Akio, Kazue, and Mickey. Yeah. In the weird, surreal highway drive. Yep. And it's sort of like Akio's there being like, all right, come on, Mickey, He's what's going not on? not doing or saying much. Come on, I'll take you yeah. to McDonald's if yeah. you just tell me what you want. All right? We've got the Rose Bride at home. <laughs> Look, I know something's wrong. Just tell me what it is and we can go to Macca's. We'll get a Sunday. What right? was that meme from? I think it was from like a um, uh, John Mulaney special or something where mm-hmm. it's like parent who says no McDonald's, parent who buys you McDonald's, parent who pulls into the driveway after you ask for McDonald's and then goes sorry to the drive-thru and then just asks for one black coffee. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> Gross. Akio's a real one black coffee parent. <laughs> Just being like, come on, we'll get a McFlurry. Yes, hello. I'd like a salad, please. 
This is what you get for Kazue, what are you secrets. doing here? Why, I'm on a date with Akio. What? But you're so pure. This is the exact move that Kiryu pulled with Kazue, Ari, Miki in season one. Look, he knows what he's about. He's about Aki- purity. He's really just doing the Kiryu playbook, but more and better. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's what this arc is, right? Yes, I suppose. Yeah? You love, and this is Kazue, you love Himamaya, don't you? And he's all like, what? I, hey, you, you can uh, tell me. D- Look, I'm going to slowly start to remove my top. What? Look, there goes my scarf. What? Don't do that. It hits you in the face and you have a fantasy what? that you're driving the car and Anthea's here with you. But you're, but I, you. Mm. I thought you hated him and Maya. I just want her to be happy. No, I just want you to be happy, Mickey. Oh, I see. I'm always completely honest with my feelings. I never lie, she says. And then she reclines her chair. And Mickey is trying very hard to pull a silence winch. I no longer wish to be horny. I just want to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's really not working. Oh my God, that's so Mickey. <laughs> um, and jury too. Mm, yeah, to a point, yeah. Yeah, everyone in this show is just horny and they want to be happy. <laughs> Except Anthe, who is getting abused relentlessly yeah. from and all Kiryu, sides. And Kiryu, who is like, God, it's good to be horny. <laughs> He's, he has silence wench. I wish to be horny. Yeah. Done. We're good. Um, so he, she says that line that was in the author's note, uh, production note rather, uh, when everything around you is impure, you'll have to become impure as well. The only way to get what you want is to lose your purity. And Mickey looks very uncomfortable as uh, Kozaway's scarf hits him in yeah. the eyes. And then here's that dream sequence I mentioned. <gasps> And then he's, he's back in reality and he turns his attention to Akio, who's been driving the car silent this whole time. He says, you were the one who got Sayonji to duel. You seduced Toga. No no clarification what he means by that. Yeah, I think we all know though. <laughs> and have been interfering with the student council. And then much like Sayonji did last episode, he reaches forward to grab him by the shoulder and... Akio just goes, and now you're working for me too, you little punk. Yeah, so this is interesting. I'm just paying attention to this now. Akio's response, as, it, as with Sayonji, was, uh, I reveal the end of the world. But in this shot of Mickey grabbing his shoulder initially, uh, mm-hmm. looking for like from the windshield back, mm-hmm. no rose ring. Then after Akio says that line, Mickey's hand, close up of Mickey's hand with the rose ring. Oh, he's, the ba- ring. he's back in the game. Oh, but the ring is uh, is like on the back. Yeah, right? but it's obs- it point, what I'm saying is it's obscured. Ah, uh, it's not it's there. symbolism. I get ya. Because the ring is a ah, contract. I understand. You're... And then we do that sequence again where Akio's shirt comes off and he gets on the front of the car and uh, and drives into the night. Also, the wind buffets uh, Mickey's hair back and Kozaway reclines her seat all the way. Sexually. Yeah, there's a lot of sexual energy. And then... What... He is quite literally being seduced by the power... Of his sister. And the car. Ah. And the end of the world. And what does Akio do? He rides the front of the car, shirtless, and then we're just back yep. at school. It's the next day. Mickey and Cosaway are uh, erecting a bird box to... Um, Replace the tree. Yeah, so hopefully the down. parents will come back. And then Nutana's like, hey, that's great, guys. I hope the nest will bring the uh, bring the parents back. And they just stand up and look at her and be like, we're going to duel. Literally, it's like a, what the fuck? What? Like, no. I thought we were fucking friends, Mickey. And then... Shadow puppets. Shadow puppets. Uh, it's gambling. It's roulette. Put it all on black. It's red. <laughs> nope. Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to go clear out all my life savings. And then runs away. And then we see that the ball was rigged. Much like this game is rigged. Uh, this dueling game. I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a similar 
It's a similar sort of metaphor to it's like every other shadow puppet scene. Yeah. We get we are of course treated once again to the new absolute destiny apocalypse sequence as we go up to the dueling arena. It's oh, time to duel. Oh yes. It's time to du- 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 duel. The car <laughs> I love the idea of Lieutenant getting up then and here is your opponent. It's a new car. <laughs> the price is right thing. We see this playing. silhouette of the car through the door that Utena used to enter through. I would love, right? So if before every duel there's a guy with a microphone yeah. and he's just Let's like, get ready to rumble. And then Undertaker walks in. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's what? the meme? That's Sionji's theme song. <laughs> By God, he's got a steel chair. <laughs> out of fucking nowhere. I mean, kind of that was what happened the time that Kiryu came out of nowhere and intercepted that sword blow, right? Mm, yeah, and uh, he jumped from the top of the cage in that 1991 fight against Kano. And yeah. You know, Sionji was a real victim of a notorious screw job mm, when he was tricked mm. into getting himself expelled. Mm. Wrestling. From the ring. <laughs> Much like the very ring you need to access the dueling arena. Can we at some point, completely related, can we <laughs> at some point watch like a breakdown of all the different plot lines from like golden years WWE, where it's like Undertaker, Kane, and uh, whoever else was involved in that era, just to be like, what the fuck was going on? Maybe. I don't know a lot about wrestling. I know that for a while there was a guy called Fandango who was a sort of evil tango dancer. Yeah. That's basically all I got. Well, I mean, I know there's John Cena, who's the nice guy. There's Undertaker, John who's... Cena, who famously announced the death of Osama Bin Laden at a mm. WWE wrestling event. Yep. I know that there's Undertaker, who is, um, death. Uh, Kane, who doesn't like death, question mark? Oh, he's like the Undertaker's brother, I think. Ah, I see. And then there's, like, some other guy... Famously, Paul Bearer was the Undertaker's manager, and that's a pun on Paul Bearer. Ah. Uh, and he died in recent years. Oh, no more Paul Bearing. Who will bear his Pauls? Uh, his his grave, probably. <laughs> Brutal. I hmm. etymology corner with Liam. Tell me more. Paul Bearer. Uh huh. Which is when you carry the coffin like on your shoulders in that way. In a in a sort of dancing. Yeah, like that meme. Yeah, like that meme. Yeah. Pauldron, the bit of armor on your shoulder. Yep. Is that the same root? Probably not. Okay. But if it is... Etymology oh. Corner with Liam is not so much a segment with information. It's a segment with questions. It's a section of Entomology Corner. Etymology. Not entom- no. Sorry. <laughs> Entomology Corner with Liam is shockingly different. That's where we talk about the daddy long legs. For hours on <laughs> end. I don't think that entomology applies to arachnids, actually. My friend Drew would know. Drew? Yeah. Name etymology corner with Nick. Who the fuck is Drew and why is he on this podcast? He's my friend. Oh, fair enough. I don't know what you want from me. I said who he was. All right. Yeah, fair enough then. Yeah, okay. I take it all back. New stuff. Car. Kozue Uh is present. (gasps) But she's not in a military uniform. She's, yeah, not not like when she dueled last season. She doesn't look like a Nazi here. She's in a blue variant of the Rosebride dress. (gasps) And moments from now, she is going to, much like Utena and Anthony always do, pull a sword out of Mickey for him to fight with. What? So, like, anyone can just do that? Okay, now I'm beginning to think that I was right with the 2v2s, right? It won't happen, but it'll be neat if we get a uh, Kiryu siblings variant of this at some point. (laughs) It's not Nanami. 
It's Kiryu's other siblings. No, Nanami. Oh, touche, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's another pairing, right? Is this going to be the new thing? Like, is, um... You pull out the ambition from their own Like, heart. is Shiori going to come and help out Juri next time? Oh, Hard to say. Like, is, yeah. this could just be a one-off. It could be. Mickey and, yeah. Mickey and Kazue have been, like, maybe the closest of those parallel relationships. But at the same time, surely it would be like, oh, every one of them will have another person that's helping them grasp their ambition well, rose bride arc i'm sorry a uh, black rose arc was very formulaic uh and other than the the night car sequences i don't necessarily know if this one is gonna cue quite so close to the formula hmm. obviously everyone's gonna have their duel yeah i don't know hmm. i don't know but right now yeah mickey and Cosaway. and of course the only other re- the only reason i suppose that um uh mamiya never showed up to do the same thing was because he was anthy <laughs> I think that tracks pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, so Kozue's there and she is like the inverse Rose Bride present in this duel. Mm, Which is very strange. And and, yeah, so Utena's like, hey, why are you dressed like that? Pulls the sword out of Mickey. Like, we're going to fight you. We're going to... And they're all... We're going to get what we want, which what I want is for Mickey to be happy and what Mickey wants is the Rose Bride. And literally all of them are doing that chest, like hand on chest thing where you get close to someone, you put your hand on their chest. And they're all like, now we're going to pull the sword out mm. using that hand on we their chest. We didn't really talk much about the sequence of... We, like, we, desc- we described it, uh, the sequence of the new sword sequence that Utena has. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did note um, on a rewatch of the sequence, I misspoke last time that um, Anthe is the one who solely does the, uh, the incantation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they both say, grant us the power to bring the world revolution in sync, which oh, uh, yeah. is nice and like... I guess represents their like the unity. Un- yeah, exactly. Yeah. As Anthe is harmony. beginning to be a bit more proactive mm. in the story. And she's like, I wanna be with Utena. I also fucking love that shot of like it's got a real like ballroom dancing vibe of when the sword comes out and she does a swish with a flourish and then Anthe is just like <gasps> bent back in her arms. Mm. Very at the end of any tango where the lady is like, oh, Yeah. Uh, know, the cars come out of the ground. <laughs> And they all are like vroom vroom. Yep. Well, not the not the ones that are half submerged. Oh, one of the cars is like vroom yeah. vroom. And they duel. And Mickey compliments Utena's form has increased since they last fought, which is quite good. She has been dueling a lot. A lot. Uh, and similar shots to last time of like Mickey running along the car, which is driving on the wall. This time Kozoway's in it. And then later on, Anthe gets in it too. And, <laughs> and it just seems very like... They're, they're obviously the sideline ones, but they are the focus on Mickey's attention. Yeah, that, well, crucially, once again, that is how Mickey is defeated. Mm. Um, I thought we were friends, Mickey. I've got to get the Rose Bride. <laughs> <laughs> so, Utena and Mickey are fighting, but Kozue and Anthe in the car nearby yeah. are sort of flirtatiously now, it's being an American seduced. car, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's a magical sky car, so driving, driving might be a bit of a... Uh, stretch or it might be a bit of a unnecessary act but i mm. think uh i think anthony is driving she's at, she's in the driver's seat at yes least. Well, uh, they're all driving but yeah <laughs> and then Kozaway's like ah oh, you are you sure are the rose bride they say that we'll get amazing power if we're engaged to you anyway i'm gonna be like real seductive in the car next to you Anthony like lies down starts yeah, leaning reclines back the seat much like uh <gasps> so many much like Kozaway did last night yeah <laughs> that that does in sound the car. like 
Yeah, but that does. But sound also, like you are a... right. Much like they do past each other in their sixty-nine handhold bed yeah. every night. But it it just sounds like a weird euphemism, doesn't it? It's like, ah, uh, yes, they recline like they did in that car seat last night. Boom, wrecked. And I love this, sh- like, it's a shot of Mickey. He's, like, on an, in defense, like, shouting at Cosmo, being like, hey, what are you doing over there? Uh, and we can just make out, like, in the corner of the frame, because of Mickey's frantic defensive parry, he's like, Lieutenant's clearly just going ham off screen, being like, ah! <laughs> Trying so hard, and Mickey's like, wait, what's going on over there yeah, right yeah. now? Uh, the cars all shoot their beams up into the sky, as as seems to be the norm now, mm-hmm. and they converge into a huge beam of light that the prince descends down from, and Utena wins. If there's one thing that I am in this sequence, it's shocked. <laughs> Cosaway has led to the demise of Mickey. Couple of lyrical highlights from the Dill song. Mm-hmm. Time. Space. The cosmic egg. Ah, the cosmic egg. Philosophy. Crystal. Rosé Crucius. Hmm. Purity. Harmony. Perspective. I am past, present and future. Nice. These songs, man, they always fucking deliver. Yep. You know? Just when you think to yourself... Oh, this all makes sense. What struck me this time about the new Prince Descending sequence Mm -hmm. is the way that Utena is... I think this was in last episode too. She, like, stretches out her arms and looks up and we're sort of zooming down from his point of view. Mm -hmm. And, like, we clearly, like, the final point of our zoom is clearly, like, on her lips as if for a kiss. Ah. I wonder what's going on there. Something sexy, no doubt. She does a big jump slash uh, and the car spins out and... uh, <laughs> Mickey, Mickey and Kazo's broken forms lie on the floor. <laughs> and Anthe's just there next to Utena being like, I did it. I wonder what made Mickey suddenly want to duel me, she says. That's it. And then it's the next day, and Mickey is attending to the bird box on a ladder. Kazoe walks past and it's like, hey, he's like, hey, why are you being so moody? And she just says, coward. And then walks away. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's the end that of the episode. episode. Right. So there can be no reconciliation. Yeah. Sip, troubled sibling relationship. What is the element of cowardice that she's objecting to? I think it's like, you didn't grab what you needed to grab. Yeah, you didn't have the force of will to focus on the duel. Your ambition was weak and salty. Just because you, I, I was doing the one thing that would distract you, and I know you well enough to know that that would be distracting <laughs> to you. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Nanami's Egg. Episode 27. Nanami's Egg. An episode that appears to be about puberty and period. And yet at the same time is not at all. Here's what Ikahara has to say. Okay. I wanted to use a song called Blue Light Yokohama in this episode, but I was told it was impossible because of rights issues. Mm, mm, I still mm. regret that. Mm. As to why I wanted that particular song, I think it probably reminds, it's probably because this episode reminds me of the adult dramas I saw on TV as a little kid. In other words, this is a story about childhood dreams and, oh, childhood dreams. And I want to be an adult story. Ah. And the sad expression in the last scene. Becoming an adult means learning countless sad truths. Mm. For some things, it's best not to think too deeply about them. Isn't that what leads to most of the problems in the world, though? Go on. Well, I mean, having a convenient explanation is one thing. But at some point you have to be like, but what's the real explanation? And if you don't go for it, then you wind up being like, a troubled youth slash adult, you know? You know? sounded smarter in your head, didn't it? I'm just saying. <laughs> Nanami has a dream. We gotta, we gotta get through this quickly. Nanami has a dream. She finds, finds an, an egg, egg and then in she a wakes up and there's an egg in her bed. <gasps> and she's an like, egg in her what? bed? What? An egg? Why? Did I lay this egg? 
And she keeps having, she has cutaways to three animals we'll be seeing recurringly throughout this episode laying eggs. A turtle, a chicken, and a frog. <gasps> Could I have laid an egg? Waka! Goes the hen. That's impossible. I couldn't oh! lay an egg. It's the next the day. Tsuwabuki is reading off her, uh... Her third period What's the word? Um, class, her journal? Itinerary? Ah, her... Uh, In the secret schedule. Nanami diary. <gasps> Ooh. As, um... As, Nanami, as they walk to school. Yeah, as Nanami is hesitant to proceed forward. Your third period phys ed class has been changed to a girls only health and hygiene class. AKA, we're going to do sex ed and teach you about your bodies. Mm. And this was when you were like, it's a period episode, isn't it? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, and she keeps having these, she's not paying attention because she's clutching this egg in her pocket. That's an egg pun. Clutch. How is it an egg pun? Because a group of eggs, I believe, is a clutch. A clutch a of A group eggs. of chicken eggs, I believe. Uh. Well, there you fucking go. And she's not listening. Like, calm down. Calm down. You've never heard about people laying eggs, right? It's probably some horrible prank. First of many fantasy sequences of people conspiring to humiliate her. And all of the students are like, Oh, Nanami, you laid an egg? Are you a space alien? What kind of weirdo lays an egg? And for the first of many times, she goes, No! And and this is all fantasy slash flashback uh, clothes and black void skin. Yep. No! And then she's thrown into jail with a chicken and egg and a frog. This is going to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. And she's she's whimpering and then she gets hit in the face by Utena's soccer ball. And Utena's like, hey, right. sorry. What if you had broken it? What Bro- then? Broken what? Nanami, broken what? Huh, could it be her? And then whoo, flashback. Oh, fantasy. <laughs> Nanami, what are you carrying an egg for? Are you come with some kind of space alien? Shame on you, Nanami. Carrying an egg, says Suwabuki. And uh, Nanami is crying on the ground, being like, but my egg! As Utena, but, like, headbutts the soccer she, ball up and down. And Tsuwabuki does a little Russian knee dance. Whatever it's called. Yeah, I don't know. Why are you, some kind of space alien? No! Now she's locked Ka-ching. in a cage with the turtle, the hen, and the frog. And they're like, is she sick? I don't know, she's been whimpering on and off all day. <laughs> Back in real life, they're like, what's what's going on, man? And I like this, this like, final sketch of the scene, mm. where it's just Nanami... In the foreground with Utena on, with her hand on her forehead. Like, she doesn't seem to have a fever. Oh, but she is heating up as Nanami's face, like, turns red from anger. Just like, get out of my personal space. And she's like, no, get out of here. I'm, I'm going. I'm leaving. No one follow me. Yeah. And she walks away angrily. Goes to c- consult the smartest person she knows about the egg. Mickey. And Mickey's looking at it through a magnifying glass. It's and like, a little... It's Okay, we're going to describe this egg, I guess. Okay. You know, I think it's an American tradition. That's how I've mostly heard it's of like it. It's like an Easter egg. Yeah. So, like, there's an American tradition, that, as I say, how I've heard of it, mm-hmm. uh, of, like, for Easter, rather than just doing the whole chocolate eggs thing, uh-huh. like, actually painting eggs as a craft exercise. Yeah. So, we did it at school. Oh, okay. I never yeah. did. You dip it into, like, uh, I think it's, like, food colouring. You leave it there for a while, and it stains the egg. Mm-hmm. You pull it back out, and you paint on it. Ah, and, and through the process of leaving that egg dipped in the food colouring, yes. it will become uh-huh. bigger than before. Uh, sure. You remember egg is bigger than before, right? That weird Facebook tw- tw- Facebook or Twitter craft video about soaking an egg in a variety of oh, liquids yeah. and it becomes bigger, bigger than, than before. before. Which was just very weird. Yeah. <laughs> God, we've got a lot of egg-based memes uh both generated or otherwise discussed on this podcast. I think it's fair to say that... Sound off. I think it's fair to say that we create and thus reflect creationism. Creationism? What? We reflect creativity in our work. <laughs> okay. And vi- and through that, we have a lot well, of egg-based Of course, the symbols. ultimate symbol of creativity is the egg because so much can hatch from it. Exactly. Chickens, omelettes. Nanami. Egg is pretty okay. Yeah. 
Egg gets bigger. Yeah, is a meme we have referenced multiple times. Uh, Eat the egg, smash mouth. Yep. Uh, That's three. That's three for three. (laughs) That's more than almost any other media um, I can think of. There is, of course, the the common JoJo fan-based meme, uh, Kakyoin, did you lay this egg? Uh, From the Clamp-published... Shitty fanfic. What's the word? Um, There's a word for, like, fan Japanese comics. Freebies? Free something? (laughs) No. Oh, digital something, right? Yeah, they published them digitally online. Um, um, it's like what the one one the one mu- the one munch man. It's, yeah, it? the one munch man. Yeah, the one munch eat man. anything in one munch. Uh, <laughs> oh, I wish there was food that could sate me, but I only uh, <laughs> I only eat it in one munch. I just got a tapeworm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Kakyoin did you lay this egg, and then the egg hatches into their son, Jotaro and Kakyoin's son, Jota. Mm. D- excuse me, what? Hang on, I didn't know that part. His name is Jota. <laughs> yeah. Oh. His stand is like called like Emerald Brilliance or something like that. Oh no, not a fan. Uh, so yes, big beautiful egg, green with red highlights. So it's kind of got like a, a checkered kind of... Girder. Yeah. Like it, yeah. Support girder. Yeah, like a girder from Worms Armageddon yeah, exactly. style. And uh, the top of it is like, like a little, little red circle on it. What a strange egg. No bird or reptile laid this, and it appears to have been laid today. Nanami immediately goes, no bird or reptile laid today? <laughs> Where did you get this egg? Terrifying flashback sequence, sorry, fantasy sequence. You laid this egg? No way. You're a space alien. Nanami. And he's pirouetting on top of his desk, and she is on all fours crying. And Stop she gets it. locked away yeah. into the zoo closet again. And all the animals are eating, and she is in there eating a little rice bowl. Huh. Uh, and then she's actually on all fours in reality, like, I dare not say it even to Mickey. And then Mickey's like, what's wrong? And then she, like, it's quite a funny shot, which is her, like, scooching forward to him on all fours. Like, crawling, but not... Like, it's kind of like an awkward dog. This episode is just Nanami slowly going much more insane than usual (laughs) through conversations with every member of the cast. What I love about it is that all of it's just like, are you doing okay? She's like, now hang on a minute, hang on. Let me just get my conspiracy rolling again. There was a point, like, towards the end of the episode, probably around the conversation with, like, a jury, mm. where I was like, come on, Nana, we just fucking turn into a cow or whatever we're doing already. <laughs> get it over and done with. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh. Sorry, the, the, there's a, a crucial misunderstanding here that informs the rest of the episode, which is, she's like, I can't tell Mickey, but, hey, Mickey, hypothetically, suppose a certain girl laid that egg. A girl? Like, well, yes. And he gets lost in the thought. Mammals are known to lay eggs. So <gasps> certain mammals. And she's like, they do? And unseen to us, she now rushes out of the room. But I've never heard of a human laying eggs. But she only stayed, stayed for the first part. Yep. Now she's outside being like, oh, I, I, oh, I have no idea. People lay eggs. Oh my God. How many other people have been laying eggs before yeah. me? And then Keiko and Co come by like, oh, none of me. You don't look well. The vermin. Yep. The Vermintide 2. <laughs> Vermintide 2 electric booger Keiko. It almost worked. Nah. Kakaloo? Better. Electric Kakaloo. What's the other names of them? Yuko and Arco, maybe? Keiko. Yukaloo. Uh, Keiko Yukaloo. Yuko Kako. Yuko Kako. Yuko Kako. That's it. That's our ship name. Ugh. Keiko Yukako. That's, that's it. I don't even know what you're trying to do anymore. I'm trying to make electric boogaloo. But out of their names. Breaking to the streets. <laughs> so, step up, sorry, step up to the streets. So Nanami's uh, all like, oh god, it's the vermin. Hello. And then fantasy. 
what? Hang on a minute. What if they all make fun of me because everyone lays eggs and it's I'm weird for not having known about it. And all of them are like, you've been laying your eggs very late in your life. Wow, how old are you anyway? Are you not laying eggs yet? Come on now, Nanami. Space alien. And then she uh, gets sent to a museum of sorts? The same prison, but this time the three animals are in various... Uh, Taxidermied or preserved states. Yeah. Uh, now, this isn't going to be my highlight, but honourable mention to oh, then so this good. shot of Nanami, while she's been having this fantasy, has <laughs> crammed her face up against the school window, being like, uh, what was the line? I won't let them take me. Yeah, and her voice is muffled because her cheek is pressed up against her window. Even if they come to take me away, I won't go with them. <laughs> <laughs> and the three girls are just like, what? The fuck are you talking about, Nothing. Nanami? Bye. And then she's running away and she's like, how could they have all kept me ignorant of this until now? Smash, uh, bump into someone. Oh no, it's Jury. I just know she'll make fun of me because I'm only starting to lay eggs now. Of all the people I had to run into, it had to be Jury. And we checked the dub of this scene to see what they did with it because it relies on a very specific Japanese... Um, Pun. Pun's not... Wordplay? Yeah, wordplay because... Uh, Homonym. So what is it? Um, Tama is... Ball, yep, and Tamago is, is egg. egg. So, so they're having this conversation where she's saying, "You careful, Nanami. You almost scratched my ball, Tama. ball Tama." And Nanami gets egg from that because it's the headspace. She's in yeah. Tama, Tama, and, and she, she just keeps holding oh, up, going, "Now's the time, Liam. Now's the time." What's happening? I'm getting my soundboard. Oh right. She keeps holding it up and going, "My ball." Hang on. Hey. I don't know how that's going to come through, but Nick is playing a bell to reflect that in the episode. A bell sound plays. That's the sound. Almost. So, so Nanami's like, wait, my ball. ball? My ball. And she's clearly holding like a uh, bowling ball bag. Yeah. And then it's just like, a ball? And Jury finally is it's like... It's just the same shot over and over again, but with more elaborate bells. And then... My ball. This doesn't work nearly as well as like audio. <laughs> And then they have this conversation like, wow, it's so big. Yeah, well, these are the size I have these days. Wait, the size you have now? I've got heaps more at home. More? I just think it feels good, you know? It feels good? And then she's, she leaves. You should try it sometime. And then Nanami collapses like, Jury's so mature. Wow, she has so many eggs, but I only have one. And then we just see Jury bowling a strike because, of course, she's talking about bowling. Now, in the, uh, in the sub, she's like, strike. But in the dub, she's like, strike. Yeah, she sure is. Just thought I'd make that very important distinction. So what happens next? She, uh... Well, I mean, she goes more insane yeah. is what happens. <laughs> Literally every shot of this episode is her going, oh. oh yeah, she decides she loves the egg and then she sings a little song to it and we get a montage of her loving the egg. Yeah, there's no escape, so why not embrace the madness, you know? And she's in class with it. She's in the bath with it. She's like playing with it on her head. And she's like sleeping some with kind it. Of very similar to the Donna Donna song in the cow episode. Mm. Like a, a song about a mother like saying hello to their newborn child is is... Like a Japanese folk song of some sort is playing. Mm. Uh, she's sleeping with it and she's sitting under a tree being like, oh, my precious egg, I'll never leave you. And Tsubuki's like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. And she runs away. <laughs> Literally, Tsubuki's like, are you sure you're okay? It's like, fuck you, Tsubuki. Oh, there's this weird sequence where he's like, you know, I'd do anything for you. And she's like, anything? Would you swim 10,000 feet below the, the ocean? Would you fly faster than a Mark V plane? Of course you can't. Don't say things that you can't fucking do, Suwabuki. Yeah, really get the uh, point of that. I think it's like the impossibility of laying the egg is like her being like, 
oh, well, you can't help me with this. Or is it just... It's beyond reason. Is it just to set up this next thing where he goes to Retainer and Anthe in the Rose Garden and she's like, she's been acting really weird lately, really short-tempered. They say, it sounds like maternity blues to me. It's like she's just laid an egg because <laughs> Anthe says... Uh, holding up her pet hen, Nanami, which, if you recall, in the cowbell episode, the whole confusion there was that her pet cow, she ordered a cow, submit cow, Calcian Dior cowbell for her pet cow, Nanami. So now she's like, my pet hen, Nanami, got like that right after she laid an egg. She's naming all her farmyard pets after Nanami for some reason. Maybe it's just a nice name. Maybe she was like, oh, Nanami seems nice. I'm going to name my pets Nanami. Like this hen, and this cow, and this beaver, and this egg. <laughs> Brother, what should we call it? And do you think it will be a boy or a girl? What are you talking about? Do you prefer boys or girls? <laughs> Always girls. You know me, Togekiryu. Yes, I also prefer girls. And now Kiryu, listen. Kiryu immediately. <laughs> I'm goes, a big fucking homophobe, Nanami. All right, now listen. In God's eyes, and boys are a good fit with boys. It's a <laughs> they fit together. Just harmoniously fit. Girls and boys together. And increasing amounts of birds fly past Nanami in the window. And Nanami's like, yeah, but I mean, it... it you can never go against God's plans, Nanami. What, but why not? Brother, don't be silly. You know, you know you're the only one I love. And Kiri's like, good. Because I, if, I guess. Because if you ever betrayed we, we should, me... We should talk about that in a different context, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> but you just said you preferred girls. Brother... What would you think if a girl laid an egg? None of me. The only reason we get along so well is yeah, that okay. you're not the I'm type of girl to exact, lay eggs. Yeah. So this is a repeated bit of dialogue, so I'm going to do the exact quote. And th this he is what he says. He turns away. None of me. Do you know why we've been able to live together so happily? It's because you aren't the type of girl that lays eggs. I pity the family of a girl who would betray them like that. And Nanami just gets this sunken look on her face. And, and heaps <gasps> of birds fly past against the red sky. Have, have I betrayed What him? does Toga think he's saying in this context? I think he's like, oh yeah, I don't like girls who get pregnant? Maybe? <laughs> so, out of wedlock? May something like that, surely. You're betraying your family by having a child with him? <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> Lit that shit in the bud, aborted immediately. I don't even know. Nanami is in the cafeteria pavilion mm -hmm. uh, and the three identical boys are eating raw eggs in the background. How cruel, big brother. You didn't have to say it like that. So if, other pe every if everyone else lays eggs, why can't I? The three boys are cracking eggs open and putting them into little... Wait, little what are mug? they doing with the eggs they lay? Little like cup mug things? Yeah. Uh, little bowls and stirring the egg up. And they eat them. And it's like, oh, everyone's eating their eggs now. And he comes to the conclusion. And she just, just like, how is this possible? No! And she becomes shadow a vegan. Puppet play. The Shadow Puppet Play this week is about eggs and how you can't do impossible things like standing an egg on Upright. Its, yeah. But with a bit of creative thinking, you can. Like by putting it on these three snap chopsticks. And then it falls over. But if we do a lot more... We can. So they put like a whole bunch of chopsticks on it. And then it like wriggles creepily and crawls away. And they're like, I don't think that was an egg. And I think it eats them. Yeah. But yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. It's like you can't do impossible things, but with a bit of creative thinking, things that appear to be impossible can happen. Mm. Mm. Like gaining sentience because you're an egg with a lot of chopsticks pulled into you. She abandons the egg in the forest at night. I've abandoned my egg. 
I don't have the courage to eat my own egg. What will I do? This is like leaving your orphan on the uh, church doorstep at night. Mm, I was going to say leaving your orphan in a river, but... Uh, oh, like drowning your orphan because it uh, spoke to your brother too much. Mm, like Thrall in... Um, is that his name? In World of Warcraft? Yeah. War- yeah. Like Thrall, when okay. his mum is all like, down the river you go, son. Oh, you mean like in the Bible? Was Jesus put in a no. river? No. So then no. no. Not Jesus. Moses. Was Moses put in a river? Yeah. Oh. Famously. Oh, there you go. Oh, I always just thought he just parted the waters. I thought, oh, well, there you go. So then it's a very intimate Kiryu family dinner as they are sitting at opposite ends of a huge table being like, it's nice to have dinner again. Nanami, you mustn't lay eggs. I know. (laughs) You are not the type of girl to lay eggs. It's the only reason we get along so well. This is for the best. And she's she's sad in, in bed and she flashbacks to all the beloved times with her beloved egg. No, I can't do it. And she runs back to collect it, but it's gone. Oh no, where's my egg gone? What's that smell? Sayonji has decided to cook out, let's camp out for the night because it's a beautiful night and cook some omelettes. Now... She beats him up. Like, it starts as comedic against the chest, frantic punching, but then she just starts, like, punching him in the face. (laughs) And and he's all like, Nanami, please, I just want to be left alone and cook my eggs out here. Eggs are normally something you eat, he says. That's perfectly average behaviour. This is fine. (laughs) And she's like, no, how could you? You... you don't need to be so greedy. There are plenty of eggs to go around. He's got a huge bowl of eggs, unreasonably huge. And sitting at the top of it is Nanami's egg. And she grabs it and immediately runs off. And Sayonji's like, see, having this many eggs is fine. Like brother, like sister. Oh no, I ruined my omelette. Mm, she's just as perfect. Sayonji's such a fucking weirdo. No shit, Liam. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Literally the first really thing. Really got a jury and Mickey credit for being the only remotely normal members of the student council, even though they have huge baggage and engage in those abstract meeting skits. Mm. But I mean, what, Nanami, if she's part of the student council, is fucked up because of her brother, probably. I mean, Nanami's got a lot of issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about this egg the alone. The cowbell. <laughs> the egg. The dress. The brother, the cat. Uh, the relentless. Bullying and yeah. scheming. The vermin. God. Yep. So a bookie. So a bookie. Jesus Christ. Kiryu is obviously an evil schemer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just unrelenting. Sayonji's just, just crazy. <laughs> just in so many levels. Just what is even going on with him? Yeah, I've got my egg back. I've got my egg back. Now, back... Our only other scene with... Uh, Utena and Anthe. They lie down in their big bed and have a sad conversation about reincarnation. How it doesn't exist, but you can reincarnate your memes by passing them on to your children. Through Again. teaching and ideas. Right. And that really is what reincarnation truly is. And then they're like, why are we talking about this? And then we cut away. <laughs> and then Nanami, running through the night, sees a huge version of her egg. And it's like a, a an archaeology site or something. Or like a UFO landing yeah. site. Yeah. And she's like, is that my egg? It's grown so large. Eggs grown to be bigger. <laughs> yeah, bigger than before. Bigger than before. It uh, flashes it... and rumbles and then shoots three beams at the ground and then is cracked and empty and she wakes up from the dream. And it's like the size of a UFO. Like a building. Like a bit, bu- yeah. Easily yeah. the size of like a um, a Kamen Rider kaiju monster evil Sure. Guy. Yeah. She wakes up and she looks and the egg is, cr- is smashed and empty. <gasps> what if the egg represented... Her childhood youth. Ah. Oh. And now that's cracked, she's oh, stuck. Oh, sorry. We do have another scene with Anthea and Utana. Oh, okay. Because they are now in, they're having breakfast oh, in right. their huge impractical kitchenette. Mm-hmm. 
uh, with the space painting, mm-hmm. being like, oh, he should be back soon. And we initially think they're talking about Arkia. Okay. But then it's like, oh, okay, I haven't seen him for a while, but he should be back soon. Ding dong. Oh, I'll get it. Ah, it's Choo Choo, you're back. And Anthony looks a little bit sad. And we are to assume, though it's never explicitly stated, that Choo Choo has been in the egg the whole time. To what end? I'm not sure. Just classic Choo Choo shenanigans. But hey, maybe Choo Choo is the egg. Who if, knows? If, okay, if Choo Choo represents <laughs> Anthe, as we believe he often does. Yep. Then he is the chick which has, in broken this episode, free. broken the shell. It's own, per- her own, his, her own personal revolutionising the world attaining free will question mark or, or maybe just being like i have to make a big decision now yeah yeah that kind of level of archeo no more yeah maybe, that's, maybe all she's, I, that's the best i can do she wants to try and do it cool fuck <laughs> nick highlights and lowlights let's make it quick we're running long okay nanami highlight would have to be the window scene yep, agreed but actual highlights would probably have to be uh kozawe seducing anthe in the car good moment as the way to defeat Mickey because Mickey is just <laughs> effortlessly defending. He's a good duelist. We know this. And Cosway's like, become impure, become impure. And Mickey's like, what? Uh, it was his impurity that was his downfall. Mm, indeed. Maybe. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, my highlight, similar, uh, Cosway in the blue rose drop bride dress uh, summoning a sword from Mickey. Mm, good shit. Yeah. Low lights. My low light would probably have to be uh, the fact that at the end of the normal episode, yep, it was just like one scene and then we're out of there. And I was like, okay, that's that's fine, but that's it. That, that's all we get. That, that, oh. Sorry, okay. what? I'm not sure what you mean. So you know how it's like you you come out of the fight, yep, and then there's the one bit right after the fight that's like, hey, I'm building the nest, coward. Oh yeah, like I like it. like a bit more of a denouement. Yeah, there. exactly. I would like a little bit more. Particularly since given the structure of the way this show works, we probably won't see Kozaway if again until their next focused episode. Yeah, which is a bit frustrating, yeah. but you know, it's fine. Um, my low light. Hmm. Oh, and of course, my low light for the Nanami app would be literally every single flashback <laughs> she had. Oh, that's great. Ugh. My low light, I think, is the. I think it's the big space egg dream. Really? You know I hate a pointless dream sequence. I do. I do know that. But really? That one? Of all yeah, sure. Why not? Oh, okay. I like these episodes. Hard to pick one. Okay. What do we think, Nick, is going to happen next time in the episode entitled Whispering in the Dark? Is that going to be jury? That's my expectation. I, I think reckon... we're due for a yep. jury. Yep. We've got jury duty coming up. Oh, shit. I reckon... Ooh... Okay, maybe Whispering the Dark is like, she's just like, I need to go talk to her, and she's going to talk to her in she, the shadows. Is, jury, is, is her Shiori in this circumstance? Uh, no, Juri. Oh. So Juri's going to talk to Shiori. Yeah, that's what I was asking. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, Juri's going to talk to Shiori, but behind everyone's backs in the darkness. I, this is an interesting... Prop- Surely. This is an interesting proposition to me, because mm-hmm. the pattern these last two episodes of Duels has been... Um, Duelist says, hey, I'm not interested anymore. I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then Kiryu being like, ah, but what if you're not done? Mm. And But that's that's what happened in Jury's introductory episode. Yeah. So what if, what if it's not so much, oh, but you're not done, so much as, oh, I know that you like her. Why don't you just go get her? And then she's like, 
No. Only by revolutionising the world we all love be accepted. Something like that, right? Where where Arkeo's whole thing is like, you know, you have to grasp what you want with all your hands. I'm really intrigued to see what um the ju- what the status of the Jury Shiori relationship is post Black Rose. Do they even remember? Unclear. Who but, knows? but but crucially the whole like drama there was Shiori being like, ah, I know that Jury loves me and that gives me power over her. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I think I think maybe they'll just kind of have like them wanting to be with each other. Yeah, hopefully. Maybe, hope maybe Jury will get the girl. I don't I, think I will so, be surprised but... if it happens explicitly, just because of the time and the fact that apparently no one in production staff for the dub realized that Jury was gay until uh the voice of Toga Kiryu, Crispin Freeman, pointed it out. <laughs> really? <laughs> apparently. Wow. That, really? Wow. So the story goes. It was a different time. It was a very different time. Well, I can't wait to find out next time on JoJo's World. And until next time, to to be be continued. continued.